Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce, how you doing? Hey, David, how are you tonight? Good, good. Um, I want to dedicate this podcast to my father. Passed away this week. Uh, a huge Oiler fan for his whole life. So this is for him. Yeah. Not yeah, the best game to do it with, Bruce. <laughs> I might have very, it, very sorry to hear that. And, yeah, uh, it's a he was tough day. He was, he was, he had been very sick for a long time, and anyone who's experienced that in their family knows that um, with someone who's in a lot of pain, that death can also be released in the end um, in those situations, and and uh, you know, so that's how it was with us. So, but he was a huge Oilers fan, Bruce. He. Uh, Huge Gretzky Curry fan, a season ticket holder for many years. He endured many uh, losing seasons as well as the Oilers fan, but stuck with the team through the Pocklinton era, through the 90s, and enjoyed the 2006 Cup run and uh, was a fan uh, for all these years. So, to the game, Bruce. Loss of the year, probably. You're gonna, you're gonna have losses like that, four three and shootout to the loser. Hey, the on the plus side, they got a loser point finally. Yeah. They made it, lose point because they were the losers in this one. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. This was uh, it was appropriately named loser point for uh, for that game on uh, uh, one that got away. There's no two ways about it, David and. Uh, uh, it got away because the Oilers did not play smart hockey with a two-goal lead, and then they did not play smart hockey with a one-goal <laughs> lead. Thought they had it under control until they didn't. Uh, but uh, uh, they uh, uh, they uh, made some critical mistakes at uh, key times in the game, and they got to iron this out, David. They got to iron this out. I guess so, they're. I guess their best players have won them many games, and it's mm-hmm. fair to say their best players lost them this game in a Some lot of ways. Did, for sure. Yeah. I think of one in particular. We'll be uh, talking about yes. talking about him, but he wasn't the only yeah. yeah, he wasn't the only culprit. And those guys the only thing I would say, Bruce, in their defense, you know, I'm talking we're talking nurse here, obviously, and Dry Settle McDavid. It, they mm-hmm. they played a lot of minutes tonight. Mm-hmm. And they've been playing a lot of minutes lately. Yep. And they had the look of weariness um, as this game went on. But nonetheless, they just, they didn't bear down and and it cost their team a victory. Okay, let's uh, start. This is our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. Bruce, let's start with some good things first before we get into the bad stuff. What's your, what's your good thing tonight? Uh, I'm just going to pick basically one little uh, glimpse out of that game where there wasn't even a goal scored. Uh, this was one of many, many goalposts that were hit in this night. Uh, this particular one by Connor McDavid killing a penalty uh, when he uh, picked off a uh, a puck in his own end, kind of similar to the shorthanded goal he scored a while back, uh, where he picked off a puck high in the zone, uh, not for a breakaway this time, but for a, for a rink length uh, dash, a one-on-one play. And... Uh, uh, he brought it in on the, I'm trying to remember who the defenseman was. Anyway, it was uh, uh, McDavid uh, uh, came up on the outside and then 
did a full spinorama right into the slot and fired a backhand that uh, that rang the goalpost. And uh, uh, this was just moments after he'd scored a pretty goal on the power play to put the Oilers ahead, uh, two to one. Uh, but this was, um, uh, I thought, the prettier play by McDavid was this one on the uh, shorthanded penalty kill. And he has that ability to uh, uh, give uh, uh, Oilers fans these these moments, sometimes shifts, sometimes <clears throat> entire games of uh, fantastic hockey. And this, to me, was the, the one sequence that, uh, that really stood out in the entire game, at least in a good way. Yeah, he, he had. There had also been a spell just before then, a spell of like two or three minutes where the Oilers' power play was 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 um, misaligned and malfunctioning, having trouble gaining the zone, which is uncharacteristic, and just out of sync. And all of a sudden, he came alive, did it all on his own, scooted up the ice, and and slammed in a shot after a quick cut into the slot. So, two plays right in a row for McDavid. Another good thing, Bruce, is your sounds is a lot better tonight. You're uh, you're sounding clear and clear and Mm -hmm. Isabel. Yeah, well, we found the culprit. This was going to be my bad thing, but I might as well introduce it right now. This cable (laughs) that was on the uh, connecting my computer to this microphone, and there was something uh, nasty about it because even without touching it, it would just periodically kick out, and I kept thinking I had it fixed, and obviously it wasn't fixed, and uh, I do apologize to Cult of Hockey listeners who got a bad show last time because of my stupid cable. Uh, while I'm introducing you to this cable, let me also introduce you to my garbage that I keep under my desk in my office. Cable? Garbage? Bye. New cable has been installed. Hopefully the problem is solved. At least for now, we're we're actually going to get a new microphone set up in here Mm. because uh, uh, we need to be better than that. And uh, again, I'm sorry about that. Sounds better tonight. Bruce, my good thing is um, uh, the Nugent Hopkins line, especially in the third period. Um, It was a they scored just a, a great goal to get the insurance goal at the time. It was two to one. And mm-hmm. Nuge wins the Nuge gets the puck in his zone and charges up ice and cuts back, puts the puck over Tyson Berry, who throws it at the net, and Kyler Yamamoto's going to the net and uh, tips it home for the Calif- a goal known as the Californian. This is where you throw it at the net and hope good things happen, and it often does. It was a play that Californian teams did through the L.A., San Jose, um, Anaheim repeatedly executed against the Oilers uh, during the decade of darkness. <laughs> and um, it's nice to see the Oilers get that kind of goal. They followed up. They almost, they they had an incredible uh, rush up the ice with seven minutes left in the game. Um, Janmark uh, took it into the zone and threw it at the net and it hit the first uh chance in that sequence was Nugent Hopkins that went off him and went at the goalie and almost went in and then Yamamoto pounces on the rebound and he almost puts it in and then the best chance of all was the third one the the puck uh, the rebounds to Nugent at the side of that just at the side of the crease and he almost puts it in it was an, quite an amazing save by Bennington hit the post the, as well oh did that one hit the post and yeah so just three yeah, kept incredible three incredible uh chances right in a row not one of them went in unfortunately mm-hmm. um but
but you can't have everything. And it's nice to get some scoring from other than the top players. They needed that. They got that. That was a big goal. That line's looking good. There are three skilled players, not one of them very big. Um, <clears throat> but they're all really smart hockey players. And New- Ryan Nugent Hopkins is playing the best hockey of his career. He is doing so both offensively and defensively. He's holding his mm-hmm. own as a defensive center. He's showing more um, grit, I think, defensively. And he's digging in a little harder on the attack as well. So um, good for the Nuge. And that was a really key goal. Yamamoto, I, I think it's his second goal this year, both on deflections. Yep. And um, big moment in the game. And I thought at that point I was actually counting counting the win. And I think I think the players on the Oilers bench were unfortunately doing the same thing because they had seven minutes, they had eight minutes and 37 seconds left to play. And yep. they did not get through that. Yep. Yeah, well, on that goal, I mean, Nuge did all those things you just said. I mean, he made a play in his own territory uh, to win a puck battle, flip it up to himself. And then uh, he saw some open ice and he, and he uh, came buzzing up the ice, uh, realized that the defenseman had the angle on him, so there was no point in trying to take it into the net. So he pulled up, waited for uh, uh, Tyson Berry to join the play from the blue line and uh, um, hit Barry with the pass, and it was Barry's outside shot that Yamamoto, uh, you know, uh, poaching on the uh, uh, low slot, was able to get a stick on and tip in off the, uh, uh, just inside the near side post. Like you say, in a game like that, where 2-1 becomes 3-1 with 10 minutes left, you'd like to think that should be it, but uh, uh, it wasn't it. So that actually kind of leads into your bad thing. Dave. Yeah, well, so why don't, why I don't just, you go first? I don't go first. It's the three-two goal, which starts off the bad stuff. And Bruce, mm-hmm. it drove the the goal. This goal, when you're watching it, if you just watch it not too closely, you think, well, no one made a huge mistake here. Maybe Philip Broberry allowing the puck into the slot, the pass in the slot. Like they didn't seem like there was any. But when you watch it closely, you just realize like. Every forward on that shift is so loose in their checking. They are so lackadaisical. Honestly, Mm -hmm. they are lackadaisical and lazy on that play, Bruce. And it's not just any forwards. It's your top line of Hyman, McDavid, and Dreisaitl. Hyman starts it off in the the neutral zone by completely failing. You know, his job is to get that, get, you know, he's heralded, and he is such a hardworking player, right? He's heralded as this guy who never gives up. Well, not on that shift, not on that play. His job is to funnel that play to the boards and smother it. And he just kind of, he kind of takes a swipe at the puck as they're going by and cutting into the middle of the ice. And they've, and they've gained the middle of the ice because Zach Hyman's been lazy. Mm-hmm. And then they go, they pass through Leon Dreisaitl twice, once to the boards and once again into the middle. And Leon's effort was not as um, bad, I don't think. He, like he was trying to make a play, but he just failed to execute and uh, failed to cut out the pass. But the pass goes in the middle of the ice to where Connor McDavid honestly should be covering the guy in the slot at that point. That's that his job back and cover that off. Two, you you know you got a lead in the third period. Get back, cover it off, and he's a, he's out of position. So these three players either you know were lazy or failed to execute. They're both, and it was frustrating to watch. Um, Philip Broberry did allow the pass into the slot there as well. Um, so he's was partially to blame, but that's should never have gotten that play, should never have gotten that far along, you know, coming right down the middle of the ice and then going right back into the middle of the ice. That's not acceptable defensive play from veteran players. 
mm-hmm. uh, veteran leaders on your team with a lead in the late in the game. And if they don't want to lose, they've got to stop making plays like that. Well, I got to learn how to defend a damn lead. Sometimes <clears throat> it's just rolling up your sleeves and you know doing the dirty work and running out the clock. You know, I'll I'll actually wind it right back to. Uh, basically, the, the face-off right after the Oilers made it 3-1. And this was before the McDavid line even came out. This was the shore line. And from 3-1, to one, and the puck went from the face-off right to the end boards in the Oilers' territory. Twice they had a chance to clear the puck. Twice they failed to clear the puck. There was one dangerous shot that came out of that. And I'm yeah. going, you just can't be defending like this. You know, to keep the initiative that you actually had when it was 2-1. That made it 3-1, you know, keep the puck, keep the pressure on their end, you know, be be proactive. And they had that line had a wretched shift and they escaped to the bench. Uh, and then uh, the the uh, big line came out and they had a wretched short shift and uh, the puck wound up in the net. And then even on the play right after that, there was a, you know, the, the, the uh, I think the big line stayed out and they had, uh, St. Louis had more pressure. And this was one where... Uh, Darnell Nurse was able to deflect a dangerous shot into the netting and they kind of, you know, get a, a respite 3-2, but there's still eight minutes left and they're going, holy moly, that looks like a, a canyon between now and the end of the game if they're going to play it like that. And uh, alas, that's how it turned out to be. Okay, what's your bad thing, Bruce? Yeah, well, I picked out my bad thing early in the game, but I'm going to have to double down because it kind of happened again uh-huh. late in the game. Uh, my bad thing uh, was the 1-1 goal, the first tying goal scored by the Blues in the first period. And uh, this was uh, the last um, home game the Oilers played. There was a wretched mistake by Darnell Nurse where he had full control of the puck and he made a soft pass to nobody and it just wound up basically going to Joel Erickson Eck and he had all day to shoot and score. So Nurse had that puck, coughed it up, goal. So you like to think, well, okay, well, that's a one-off. That's not going to happen again. Well, first period of the next home game, the next game I get to grade. Thanks for this. I really love grading games like this. Um, <laughs> so I have got a little bitter tinge to my voice. This is why I got a night's work ahead of me yet. Uh, where the puck goes behind the, the line, Nurse is by far the closest player to it. He skates over to it by the boards, and he stands there and looks at it. And one St. Louis guy skates around behind him, and I guess he thinks that's the only four-checker. Now he's got time to make his pass. And the second guy just comes in and pilfers the puck right off. He never even touched it. And there's two St. Louis guys, first one, then the other guy. And the second guy comes in and takes the puck that Darnell's never t- touched or claimed in any way. Like He hasn't sort of gotten his body in front of it. The guy makes a centering pass. The whole rest of the Oilers team is surprised. And it goes in the slot and right on to the stick. Well, that was Cairo, wasn't it? That was Cairo's goal. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Jordan Cairo, the guy who had one goal, two assists, three points, plus three, and the only shootout goal, and yet was only named the second star of this game. Explain that to me. Anyway, uh, that was a, it was just a wretched uh, sort of error of negligence by Nurse. And so that cost him a goal. I was going to dock him two points for that. Well, as for the doubling down, now we have to go to the last minute of the game. And Nurse has made a few decent defensive plays down the stretch, but a lot of the game he spent on the seat of his pants or on his knees or, you know, down and out. Uh, and 
Anyway, in the last minute, the they, Oilers have a power play. So St. Louis pulls their goalie, but it's still only five on five. They got their best players on the ice. They got the puck. All they have to do is play safe with the puck. And it comes back to uh, to Darnell inside his own blue line. He decides to lope behind his own net with it. And then rather than use the boards or use a short pass or simply stop up with the puck, behind he decides, the net. yeah, yeah, like defensemen do, you know, he decides, no, I got to make a pass up to the winger on the high wall. And, and to be honest, I don't think the winger was deep enough in the zone either that uh, he should have had better puck support there. But you can't be doing that. And uh, one of the St. Louis players, I think it was the goal scorer, uh, Tarasenko, uh, who got a stick on the pass, and now chaos ensues. And it's, from here on, it's not just Nurse. I mean, McDavid is in position to make a play behind the net. He loses the battle. CeCe goes into the corner. He can't cut out the pass. Uh, Nurse stands in front of his own crease while Tarasenko stands in the slot five feet in front of him. Puck goes to Tarasenko. Nurse is in no position to make a play on him, and Tarasenko lashes it home. First shorthanded goal of his career, 19-point-something on the clock. And you think a minute, power play, one-goal lead, put it to bed. Didn't happen. And you got to say that the primary mistake mistake here and the first culprit was Edmonton's defensive leader. And it's not good enough. Like three goals against him in the last two home games where he had complete 100% full possession of the puck and coughed it up. He can't and handle these minutes, down, Bruce. Make a play. Holy crap. Ice the goddamn thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, do the anything with like that. Yeah. Leaving Tarasenko open like he did. Like, it's one thing. Like, uh-huh. the turnover's yeah. bad enough, right? Like, yeah. like why didn't you just double back behind the net? Like, mm-hmm. just make them come after you behind the net. Make them yeah. chase you. And then you can go out the other side. Like, it's just such an obvious play in some ways. With mm-hmm. There's 20 seconds left. Where's your game awareness? Where was Nurse's head this game, Bruce? Because there were so many mental errors from Darnell Nurse this game, which is what got me. It's not physical errors. These were mental errors in many of these cases. And, I, and I'm going to go through a couple of them. Okay. And the, where he leaves Tarasenko open in the slot like that. Why? Mm-hmm. What is yeah. he doing? There's only one person who's going to score a goal there. Uh-huh. Get in, You're literally yeah. a foot from him, two feet from him. Why don't you just go lift his stick? It's more so that's like a, eight, eight feet, but he was standing like he was protecting the, the low slot. Well, I will protect me if I actually check in the guy that's in the middle slot. The, the first goal against that he was responsible for, the one you've already talked about, he just made such a fundamental mistake. They dump the puck in. He has no one's chasing that puck hard at that point. And what does Darnell do? He loafs back to get it. This is, uh, and I can't remember who made the rule. I think it's one of Billy Morris's t- 10 rules of hockey. When the puck goes back for the defenseman, the defenseman's, the, the fundamental play is you rush back and you get that puck. That is can. that is basic fundamental hockey. So what does mm-hmm. Darnell Nurse do in that play? S- sleepily, lazily go back and get the puck. Mm-hmm. And by the time he goes and gets the puck, people are on him. And and uh, it startles him a little bit. He's got Cody Ceci uh, uh, on one side and Hyman on the boards. And if you wonder why there's no one in the middle of the ice covering off the slot when he makes the turnover, well, it's yeah. because the, the players who fully expected him then to pass it to him Mm-hmm. And he should have just, if he had got there quickly and made the simple safe play, they would have gotten that pass. But they're, they, they're hung out to dry because he, it's like he's, 
is he wanting to do too much? Like, is he thinking I'm going to make some great play out of my own corner well, here rather than just out pass? Oh. And then Bruce, he does it again in the second period. There's a play oh. where um, Philip Broberg's involved in this one, and and he looks really bad on it. So Philip Broberg, Philip Broberg's back for the puck, and uh, he's the only guy. And there's about three blues on him in the in the area, and he's. I, I think he's thinking, like, this does not compute because there should be a defenseman beside me. And what is happening? Darnell Nurse is slowly coming back through the neutral zone, waiting for the breakout pass up the middle of the ice. He wants Philip Broberry to pass it through one or two St. Louis Blues. Instead of hustling back and getting in position in his own defensive end, so Philip Broberry has an easy outlet pass to make. Mm-hmm. That's what Darnell Nurse is doing. And the other forwards, as you pointed out, there was other all forwards on the ice. I think it was the top line again. If all in the mistaken. neutral zone, yeah. All no, waiting and, and leaving the rookie. Oh, well, the rookie, he'll be able to figure out how to break a three-man mm-hmm. press all on his own. Yeah. And and Broberry's mind explodes, and he throws away the puck to the open, open wing. I think the pass might have been tipped, but the reason it was tipped was because he was trying to, you know, he, was, he didn't oh, have an easy pass to make. Like Nurse needed to be level or behind him by then, and not sort of halfway between yeah. where the puck was on the hash marks and the blue line. That Brober is trying to hit him with a, a, a head pass, and I think it might have just got tipped at point of contact there, and that's why it went as oh, sideways maybe, as it did. I didn't know that. But he didn't yeah. have he didn't have many options because all three forwards were 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 asleep in the neutral zone. So here you got Philip Brobery. And basically, you could argue almost the four best players on the team out there on the ice with them. And they all hung the rookie out to dry. That was terrible. It, it really was. And I think we should go back and maybe assign some more um, major errors on that play if we if we think or it's missed necessary. Assignment. Yeah, well, it's all, either all of the forwards or none of them. I mean, yeah. clear, clearly it was it was Nurse who was, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think we just right. nailed Broberry and Nurse, and, and rightly yeah. so. Even though it was, a you know, at first look, it was just a wretched turnover by Broberry. Yeah. But it, there was way more to it than that. And the total lack of puck support from his teammates was was the problem. Yeah, that was a really disappointing game in a lot of ways. That, uh, and I mean, I, to be to be fair to all of these players, including Darnell, so I'm sure is just getting scorched on the internet on Twitter right now. Oh. So I'm sure it's a bloodbath of because there's lots of people who don't like the player. We are not, neither you or I are in that camp. We we like this player. We think he's mm-hmm. a good hockey player, and but he, he had wasn't a tonight. Game. He wasn't tonight, and and um, it was it was a game where he just wasn't sharp mentally. Um, making fundamental errors, um, slow to the puck, turning over the puck, not not protecting the puck and caring for the puck well enough in the last 25 seconds of the game, which is really unforgivable, honestly. <sighs> well, you, it's not unforgivable. That's an overstatement, but it's not good. It's not good. All right. Your number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to go with number one, I guess. Uh, One point that the Oilers take away from that fiasco. uh, Their first uh, so-called Bettman point of the season. And uh, 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 they've only played three overtime uh, games all year. And every other team in the Pacific Division has played seven to ten. Meaning the Oilers games are worth less than the games of other teams due to the NHL's cockamamie rules. 
Well, tonight the Oilers at least get some benefit from that cockamamie rule and that they get uh, the one point. They're now two and one in uh, extra time. Of course, they won the first two games that went to overtime. It looked like they'd won this game. And we're going to need to talk about this call at some point, David. But uh, it was uh, uh, at the end of the day, they got their, their they got one point, their first one of the year. So I'll just stick with my uh, uh, number one for that. And that is a... Uh, a silver lining on a pretty bitter uh, blown win. I think if McDavid, when he crossed the blue line, the puck kind of trailing him, but under his control, I think if he had touched it first Mm -hmm. after, I don't know what the rule is. I think if he had touched it first after he gained the blue line, after it was in the, but I think a St. Louis blue player touched it before he did. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's why it was called the way it is. Otherwise it seemed like the McCarr play where he didn't have control of the puck and he was had put himself or he had control of the puck, but he put himself offside. But because he was in control of the puck, I don't know. I can't even explain the rule. I have no idea, Bruce. You're, I have, I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's so confusing. The whole, to me, I don't get it. So the call, it was different from the McCarr call. The call, as I understand it, is that you can carry the puck. You can go ahead of the puck over the blue line if you're carrying it, but you need to have it on your stick. And McDavid had had let it go. His skates went over first, then the puck came over, then he recovered it. And uh, that was the call. Whereas in the McCarr play, McCarr himself was onside, uh, but there was a teammate who was over the line. Oh, that's it. And as he... You know, he put the puck over the line. By the time he reco- he touched it up again, the team teammate had uh, touched up on the blue line, and so they ruled that one was technically okay. onside. So anyway, nice. it's a uh, it's a tough time to lose a call when you think you've won a game in overtime. But uh, uh, that was going to be a stolen second point at that point, you know. So uh, and so once you can- that call went against him, they they were done. So you can back over the blue line first as long as you have control of the puck? Yeah. Okay. The the puck carrier can. Can, All the other teammates. There was another play earlier in the game where McDavid dragged his leg at the blue line and the the linesman called it offside, and it definitely wasn't. But you got no do-over. When they mistakenly call an offside, it's offside. There's no review. There's no nothing. Drysaddle was walking in on that one, but, you know, that's so it goes with – the offside rule. The offside challenge rule only works to take goals off the board. You cannot correct for uh, offensive chances robbed by mistaken offside calls. You can only take down goals that are scored after plays that are deemed to have been offside. So if you're backing in over the blue line and your body skates go first, you have to be in control of the puck. And he, mm-hmm. he and he what? I mean, the, the has, guys on TV are saying he has to be on your control, stick. But, does it have to be on your stick or just have to be in control of it? You see, I do think, Bruce, if he had maybe touched it first once he got it into the to the zone, but he didn't. I think a, I think a Blues player touched the puck first before he did once he got it in there. And I made His stick clashed with the defender, so it took yeah. him an extra split second to touch it again. And I, I, I was so exasperated at that point that, you know, I'm going to have to look at that detail in the cold light of the new day. And hear the full explanation. I'm sure someone will have the rule up there. But I think by the letter of the law, he put himself offside. And they've loosened up that law, but not enough for that play. Yeah, that would have been sweet to win the game. If it had been someone from a California team, or maybe it had been Corey Perry, it would have been okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
my, my number, Bruce, is mm. 7.54. That's uh, Yesa Pugliarvi's ice time. Uh, he had 11 shifts. Um, only Hamblin had fewer than that. He had 10. Um, I don't know. It's just a kind of a depressing number on a depressing season for <laughs> Yesi Pugliarvi in the midst of kind of a depressing Oilers career in the end, it seems. I just, it just when I was looking at the numbers, it just really stuck out at me. Um, I do think that they overplayed the veterans this game, um, and um, they looked, they looked a little tired. Um, maybe they just don't think they could, they could trust that Pulley-RV, um third game Holloway Hamblin line um, in the third period down the stretch. I don't know. Um, yes, Pulley-RV is not a bad defensive player, and. I mean, Holloway is a bit erratic at this point, but Hamlin's okay. I don't know, Bruce. It's just frustrating. Um, well, Brobery seems- played eight minutes and 17 seconds only, but even he was out on the ice very late because there was an icing call, you might recall. And they yeah. and he was out there. And they, uh, uh, they had to get another face-off before they could uh, uh, change him out. So at least they were giving him some minutes down the stretch. But uh, the fourth line was really... Uh, uh, a short shift of third and four. I mean, Hamblin played five minutes and 23 seconds, David. Uh, so, because they were just oh, yeah. leaning so heavily on the big guys. And I mean, the yeah. big guys are delivering. The, they've been doing lots of scoring for Edmonton. They've been doing, you know, they've been on the ice for, uh, you know, two thirds of Edmonton's goals for the last 10, 11 games now. Uh, but, um, uh, tonight, I thought you're you're right. They looked tired, and I thought they didn't really have a good defensive game, uh, or you know, just the, they had they had some moments. They couldn't beat uh, uh, they couldn't beat Bennington, and they were on the short end of the scoring chances and shots and so on on the night. Like the the supplementary stats back up that they certainly weren't dominant in this game. And I mean, holy moly, 29-23 for McDavid. 28-43 for Dreisaitl, 25-28 for Hyman, 29-03 for Nurse, 26-27 for CeCe. That's five guys over 25 minutes. Now they have to play again on Saturday afternoon. So, 29-03 for Nurse. Yeah, I, I would say yeah, I had updated my uh, event summary. Too much. I see that it was higher than I thought, 29-03. Yeah, too much. Especially for a player who was clearly struggling. And uh, I just, yeah, um, I don't know when some of these players are coming back, like Fogel or McLeod. I guess Fogel's skating again, if I'm not mistaken. McLeod's still not skating. Um, They both got hurt in the same play. Really? In the Madison Square Garden, that game where they had the great third period and McLeod got three assists and Fogel got, uh, you know, had had a really strong... And Vogel had been hurt earlier in that game. And there was a play with about seven minutes to go in the third period. And Fogel and just collapsed on his, yeah. his rushing up the ice and he just fell and he just slid in front of his own bench and he went off and stayed off. Uh, but just before that happened, Holloway was tangled up with another oiler in front of the uh, defensive net. And he just went down funny. And he played one more shift after that, but that was the last shift he's played. And uh, he, uh, I'm pretty sure that it had 
all the look of a high ankle sprain. Oh, okay. So, and of course, he's such so reliant on his skating that uh, that's, a, yeah. that's a serious thing. And so, if they're giving him time to recover, well, that's probably good that he's going to need it. And hopefully, he'll be mostly recovered by the time he gets back in there. But uh, the fact is that their bottom six is, you know, their third and fourth line looks more like a fourth and fifth line, and they're getting. Uh, they're getting that kind of ice time, and the coaches are relying heavily on the top six and really the top three up front. And uh, tonight it kind of caught up with them a little bit. Even Clem Costin, who's kind of a favorite, has only got 8.05 mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. playing time. Yeah, they just did not play those guys. Devin Shore was really struggling, missing the puck, yeah. oh, both man, on the attack and in his own whole zone. wide open net. Holloway set him up perfect, and he whiffed a shot from the slot. Like, I mean, had goal written all over it. Bennington was completely beaten, and he had the whole net, and he, and he sort of half-fanned on the shot and chunked it wide. <sighs> one, one piece of good news, we might want to end with this, was Stuart Skinner. I thought he was solid again tonight. He's just been a, a good story for the Oilers all year long. He's played well, strong hockey all year long. So I like that. Their number one was, goalie is playing like one. He was great in the second period. We had uh, St. Sure was. 10 grade A shots, and uh, they didn't score a goal that period. And Skinner was the reason. A few excellent saves. <sighs> well, it's a long season, Bruce, and that was another game. Yep. Would have been nice to get a win out of that, uh, but yep. not to be. I guess it's good they got the loser point. Well, I didn't know. There's no guess about it. It is good. You yeah. got to rock. The only way to, uh, well, not the only way, but the best way in the NHL is you avoid regulation losses at all costs. And you yeah. got to, you know, every time you get to overtime, you have a one point in the bank and a chance at a second. And even if you're like Calgary and you lose three overtime games in a row, come away with three points. Well. Normally, you're going to win at least one of those games. You're actually going to gain ground on the on the league. And the Oilers have just been, for whatever reason, they've been dropping 2-1, 3-2, 4-3, but always in regulation. Well, tonight at least they uh, uh, they got the half a loaf. Feels more like a third of a loaf, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Grade A shots were 18-16 to 16 for the Oilers, and a subset of five alarm shots was were 12-10 to 10 for the Oilers, so. Um, Pennington had some good saves. Eh? He did, yeah. Well, Bruce, thanks for thanks for talking tonight. Good luck on the game grades. Yeah, thanks for that, and my condolences on uh, passing of your dad, David. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, my wife was asking me about my favorite memory of my dad, and mm-hmm. um, he he would take we would we lived in Devon, and we would drive to other games, and um, on the ride back, especially after you know we'd always he'd always we'd break down the game just like you and I are doing now and he'd always and his favorite thing was well uh, what do you think the line should be and I'd have to tell him what I thought the line should be and I'd have to you know explain why we'd discuss I didn't have to do anything we would discuss why I thought the players should was this the dynasty team or what what era yes, was this this is the w this is the WHA oh, WHA team into the Gretzky okay. era um okay. through the through the through the um early 80s and uh, what, they lived in Devon at that time. 
uh, that were, which is where I grew up. So anyway, if people are wondering where my uh, fanaticism about hockey came from, it's certainly from my father. He was a, a hardcore, uh, he loved hockey, he loved playing hockey uh, mm-hmm. as a young person and um, certainly loved those Oilers. And I, I enjoyed many WHA games with him. I really uh, was a huge WHA fan. That's what he So was I. I loved the WHA. It really was a great thing to experience as a as a sports fan and then to go from that into this kind of surreal success of the early oilers um was was great and i and i experienced all that with my father so those are what what was his profession well he was a uh he was a uh, a school teacher became a superintendent of schools then then worked for alberta education and he was in advanced education and he ran something called the community schools program so he was a school administrator Mm-hmm. throughout his his career hmm. and he knew your father bruce yeah well my dad was uh somewhat the, in the same boat he had his uh phd in uh, education and basically administration and he was the president of alberta college uh, uh until his career was ended by a stroke that's what brought us to alberta was him getting that job in 71 so so and one last question david what position did he play as a player i'm not even sure mm-hmm. As a yeah. young guy, it was you know yeah. back when they didn't wear helmets. It's a long it time. Ro- ago. It was a rover, maybe. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like what 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 was like they must have what they must have had similar hockey. Like, well, they would have had Sprite, Mike, Pee Wee back then. Right. And uh, you know, yeah, his 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 father was also a hockey fan, and uh, you know, made outdoor rinks, and my dad made outdoor rinks for us, and I made them for my kids. So, wow. the cult yeah. of hockey goes back mm-hmm. a long way. Yeah. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.